This is Mouth Media Network. Amplify and connect. Hello, it's Mark Rako, and we hope you are safe and healthy. As businesses in the fashion industry and beyond strategize their next move, uh, how to navigate the new business climate, and the possibilities for growth and success ahead, we're reminded of the wisdom from one of our 2019 conversations with Matt Caden of MMG Advisors, which rings true and maybe the kind of thing we need to think about right now. Take time to listen to or re-listen to this useful conversation, particularly Matt's points on being attentive to the realities of industry evolution, the importance of being always exceptional, and why you must truly try. Hi, my name is Matt Caden. I'm Managing Director at MMG Advisors. And what I love about retail is transformation. You're listening to Fashion Is Your Business, powered by Sennheiser and recorded on location. Here are your hosts. Matt, welcome to the show. It's great to have Matt Caden back on Fashion Is Your Business. Uh, third time's the charm, my friend. I see that. We're having to debate whether it's two or three, and I'm, I, I have to find that second, that second interview. It's, I, I feel it's a hidden gem. It's three, but I, I could be wrong. It's like well, a behind yeah. the, the music. Yeah, it was that to... time we had hot mics. And... It must have been hot <laughs> mics. Yeah. It'll be on my VH1, like behind the music story. <laughs> but at any rate, awesome to see you guys. I still don't own the mix, but I'm maybe closer. Oh, okay. that's good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Working right. on it. Yeah. Good to hear. Uh, we're also joined, of course, by Natalia and Rob. Hi. Hey. And we're on location at the Lead Summit in Williamsburg, New York. Uh, so, Matt, let's let's start here. Um, it's been a while since we spoke with you, either the first or second time. <laughs> and uh, what's important to you right now in terms of how you're looking at what companies are doing, the trends that are out there? and the things that you need to do to be on top of the opportunities. Uh, what, what are your measuring sticks right now? It's a big question. Um, look, I constantly inbound material or, or information from a lot of different sources. And I think my 2018 business objective or, or business resolution was not to be so swayed by some of the narrative um, that the trade is kind of purporting on retail, uh, the apocalyptic nature of retail, which is more a, dem- a department store and, and, and old line boring retail uh, apocalypse than it is anything, uh, to try to be more globally oriented. So not to be super focused on the U.S. alone, because I think retail is really tough in the U.S. It's over-inventoried, over-stored. But globally, there's some pockets of, of really interesting things happening here as well, but, but global, the global perspective so one of the kind of secret sauces that I'm about to give away and then hurt and shoot myself for doing so, but I built an Instagram handle. Uh, Instagram probably thinks I'm probably a 13-year-old boy or girl. They're not sure quite yet, but effectively I follow the brands that, that I know in streetwear, in beauty, um, and the brands that Instagram tells me to follow. And I inbound the way that the millennial or the Gen Z is inbounding content and brand, and it's been super valuable. Uh, I could, you know, understand brands. I see trends. 
when I see things happening with brands that I'm keen to, I get excited. Legacy brands, for example, partnering with yeah. up-and-comers. So those, that's kind of been um, the way I've inbounded. I still rely heavily on your podcast, of course, uh, these conferences and, and the traditional journal, trade journals. I just don't rely on it alone. And it's been super valuable. So you were like the eyes of the consumer in a way. You were, you were pretending to be the consumer and you see things as they are presented to that consumer, which is really, really powerful. Not a lot of even brands think about that as much. You I hope that they a, do. You know, I, I hope that they would. Um, and then I kind of do a mm -hmm. juxtaposition against the digitally first brands. Right. Against these culturally relevant brands that have unbelievable relationships and conversations with their consumers. And I draw some conclusions off of it. And of course, Instagram's not for every brand. Um, so it's a special kind of subset. And I'm clear on that. But I also think when you're thinking about cultural relevance, yeah. Instagram is the culturally relevant hub. And it's the microphone to the, to the world right now. So I think that when you're looking for the next great brands... I think you're going to see those that are having real conversations, not just manipulating with social influencers and paid sure. nonsense, because that's not going to last. It's oh, those it's that are visible. really having a dialogue with the kid. And it could be the 30-year-old kid. It could be the 40-year-old kid. It could be the 10-year-old kid. Well, I don't know if Instagram's allowed to go to 10-year-olds, but the point of the matter is, uh, yeah, it's giving me an, a unique perspective or, or a changed perspective. And I supplement it with the narrative totally so when you're talking about the narrative um what do you where do you see it kind of converging like we we've heard a lot about the apocalypse of course um and sears is kind of like the poster child for doing everything wrong um <laughs> well, depends on who you ask uh, yeah. eddie lampert maybe thinks he did it right well i mean it was definitely milked effectively. I'll, I'll say it that way. Yeah, it wasn't for uh, the benefit of the yeah. thousands and tens of thousands of people who lost their jobs and all the stores that were closed and the towns that were uprooted. Yeah, yeah. But you're but, right. yeah. Or Roebuck. Yeah. What about Roebuck? <laughs> yeah, I always yeah. forget about <laughs> Roebuck. Yeah. You really got the short end of it. Yeah, yeah. That went sideways. <laughs> Actually, Roebuck's probably doing quite yeah, a lot right now. Yes. Um, it's a catalog yeah, somewhere. Yeah. Um, so... That there's that narrative that's happening. What other themes or narratives are you kind of hearing in this space? And um, it seems like there's there's parallel ones. There's ones of opportunity at the same time as there's ones of despair. Yeah. So I, look, I try to look for the good. Um, I think you're seeing a very interesting point from when we probably last talked about this subject, where it was. I'm enamored, right, by what's happening in the confluence of fashion and technology and all this um, to a place where a lot of these digital first brands, and they're popping up like crazy simply because the barriers to entry are quite low, are creating a good amount of chaos, but there aren't a lot of businesses that are sustainable there. Um, so I still think we're going to see this convergence, and I think we're starting to see it. Uh, as Walmart and Andy is building Altitude and, and acquiring uh, Eloquy most recently and a few others before that, Bare Necessities was, was separate to, to Andy Dunn's strategy, but or his group rather. I like that they're playing, and I wish I'd, we'd see more larger strategics 
play as well and, and figure it out and test and learn and, and, a, and be more patient or willing to fail. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I'm encouraged by what I've seen with Macy's. I think it's terrific. Um, I had doubts two years ago or two and a half years ago of, of Macy's go forward, but I think they've built a really tremendous team and I like the investments they're making. Mm-hmm. I still think it's hard to be in the middle and I think, but I think the model will evolve. Yeah. Maybe more of a marketplace because how Lawton's in, involved and, and some of the other eBayers. Um, but I'm encouraged. They're trying. I think you have to try. Yeah. What was the rest of your question? <laughs> well, I, I think that was a good place. Um, I'm wondering a little bit about uh, parallel conversations. So you're talking about Macy's, um, and there's both skepticism and also optimism on, on what they're doing. Um, at the same time, you have people in the same category that are dying. Uh, and so one of the questions that comes up is, what is the store? What is the place of the store? What is the place of technology? That's, the, that's kind of this constant refrain. You're talking a bit more about acquisitions and strategic partners. Are you seeing um, shifts in purchasing habits and the way people purchase having an impact? Or do you think it's more about like well, I think through chaos? So I think it's interesting. I think I'm not sure the answer to that question. I think it's very interesting to see the digital first brands rolling out retail moving into wholesale and part of a multi-tiered strategy, right? So you have these disruptors, and in quotes, who are really going back to some traditional mentalities and, and strategies. Yeah. They're able to leverage a certain amount of power on a wholesale basis, which makes them unique uh, and have pa- the power over the retailer so they can capture POS data. They don't have to, they could be inventory lists and it's fun and Nordstrom is going to do a lot of stuff. You're seeing them do a ton. That's great. It's great for everyone. But if new is going old and old is older, and this is a transformation. That's what we're living through. And, and so those that are not special, exceptional, connecting to their consumer, understanding who their consumer is, they're going to go away. And it's mm-hmm. not a bad thing. It's just, it's hard for people, but it's just part of it. Matt, I'm a millennial and I don't shop anywhere. Like I don't shop in Macy's. I don't shop in Sears. I only shop when I really need something, when I really know the brand, when I really trust the brand. So I consider myself a conscious consumer, which means a lot of things. But one thing that I know that I'm educated and I know that I can look up anything and I know more sometimes than the brand does and thinks that I do. What kind of opinion do you have about like for example i would support a smaller brand rather than uh obviously like macy's and whatever they're working with what kind of trends are you seeing right now in the smaller guys um as you said they're kind of all kind of the same but are they is it something that you feel like can you speak on that yeah well like look niche is the new mass right so the nicheification niche yeah of understanding exactly what Mm -hmm. gets you going and being able to market to it, right? whether it's physical or digital, <laughs> I don't know that that matters. Because I think overall, mm-hmm. online is a very hard business to sustain. Because even though they may know you so well, it may not fit you well. Yeah. Right? So you're going to return it. And heavy return rates are damaging. So then companies like Happy Returns pop up because they'll take, they'll, they'll take your return. Or Kohl's has a deal with Amazon so they could 
take your return, yep. right? Because all you, it's, it's reducing that, that friction. And at the end of the day, it's margin eroding, right? So you could have these great businesses that are out there that really speak to you and are doing 5 million in revenue and losing 15 yeah. and will never so, show a path to business sustainability. Sustainability is a separate subject, right? That's super important, social values, but like business sustainability, like, are you going to be here in five years or 10? What is it going to take? And you also have to look at that a, a high return rate is actually not a sustainable from any definition, no matter how good your can't. supply totally. chain is. Mm-hmm. Unless you're Amazon and yeah. you can afford to have a, what a $5 billion shipping cost. Not everyone's Amazon. Yeah. They I, get I do love rewarded the, for. I saw some Amazon um, return crate. You can like bid on crates of return items from Amazon and you know, it's like 50 bucks for. <laughs> My favorite are like, they're just like, keep it. Yeah, like when, yeah, when I yeah. want to return, just keep it. Like, yeah, yeah. We ra- we're going to lose money on it. Like, just yeah. keep it. We'll just give it to someone else. Our FBA, our yeah. FBA clients. Yeah. Good Look, you need to have an option. You know, a multi-tiered approach, I think, is mm-hmm. where it's all going to settle. Multi-tiered. Mm-hmm. What matters and how, are there going to be the massive brands again? A few. We're going to work our way through this. I think we're in the middle of, let's say, if we looked at two years ago and in two years from now, I think we'll have a lot more clarity yeah. as to where we are. And there's a lot of progress already. There mm-hmm. is a lot of progress compared to what we see I think there's been a, a fair amount even. of progress and there's yeah. encouragement. Yeah. Uh, it's encouraging to see some of the strategics, larger ones that I'm talking mm-hmm. to that I've felt have been kind of divorcing themselves of fashion mm-hmm. or yeah. discretionary consumer kind of coming back in and saying, wait, what's this really about? We have to figure this out. And I think part of that's they had to go in and right-size their businesses and make their businesses more of this decade and the sure. next decade before they can go in and incubate the future. So now they're asking the questions, well, what is it that we offer? Our exceptional supply chain, our ability to manage inventory. These are major challenges of an inventory-intensive business. And I think it would be, it would be very interesting to see this if the big strategics can somehow support these young trailblazers who have many of them have really challenged balance sheets. Totally. As we pull forward, it'll be very interesting to, to so watch. It's about that. Pa- partnerships and collaboration, right? Or That's convergence through M and A. We're not sure. Said, so, yeah. so a follow-up question to that, Matt, mm-hmm. is going back to Instagram example uh, as an example of of having your lens out there and looking at what's happening. As you identify disruption, and, and you're noting it in in trends and and in specific actions. What does disruption look like to you? When do you know that there's disruption happening? What's a signal to you that something is actually entering into being thought of that way? Is that a fair question? It's a fair question. My, I don't know that it plays only in Insta world because I'm able to I inbound it from a lot of different places, right? So I can see a young startup in San Francisco that has certain attributes of all birds that I can get excited about and make them a one to watch in Rothy's because there's a lot of attributes that, that connect. They're like going after the female customer in that same, in that same demographic. There's the same virility about that customer. So I can get really excited about Rothy's and the potential there because it plays back. There's a lot of comparables to, to an all birds sustainability, et cetera. When it comes to brands that are breaking through, it's, it's the conversation. It's the feedback loop. It's mining it for, for 
real customer purchase intent, which I know we have a mutual friend who, who plays in that space. Um, and then it's the cultural relevance. And I, I don't want to cite, there's a couple of brands that I, I'm keeping to myself, but where like old line companies, I'm super impressed when they do something with the brands and I'm super impressed, like I, I'm impressed by it all. I think we're seeing so much cool stuff happening in the streetwear meets luxury world. Yeah. I think it's phenomenal. I think it's democratization. I th- think that there are streetwear purists who are part of that subculture who absolutely hate it. Um, and I get their rationale completely. But it's fun and it's relevant. And it, sadly, Macy's used to be the hub of that. When yeah. I was at Macy's almost 20 years ago, I helped, we planned what was urban, which I always didn't love that term, but that floor, Macy's Herald Square, one and a half, was it. It was mm-hmm. the Mecca. Yeah. In a short period of time, J-Lo, Sean John, Rockware all launched within months of each other. And the lines were down the street, they were Supreme lines, they were Kith lines, they, they were down the street to shake Jay-Z's hand, mm-hmm. take a picture with J-Lo. Now Instagram is that megaphone. And you don't need the retailer anymore. Right. Because it's democratized. And I think it's pretty amazing. So I look for brands that are really kind of breaking through and on the cusp of that yeah. aha moment. And then it's like, okay, what are those pain points that you're going to have? Yeah. To be what able to scale it effectively, the, yeah. right? It's not just money. Money doesn't solve problems. Money, mo money, no. mo problems. That's yeah. right. Um, infrastructure, and that's where like maybe the big parent can come in and say, "Ooh, how do I do something? Whether it's a JV or an investment, where I'm able to leverage my bona fides and make this thing do it the right way, and I can be in the shadows, and this company will be uber successful." but not damaged by maybe my brand because it's too big. And I like to see more companies thinking like that. Mm -hmm. And I hope that's the evolution of where we are. How much do you think Halo Effect is going to impact um, brands as as parent companies start to acquire, as brands are starting to be aligned in the back end? Do you think that's going to have any impact at all on story in the front end? You're always going to upset somebody. Mm -hmm. And we live in a world where we're way too interconnected to not affect somebody positively or negatively by the actions that you take without going, I don't want to go into politics, but it's clear, right? That divisions are, are more apparent in today's connected world. Yeah. So yeah. So mod cloth sells to bonobos. Uh, I'm sorry. Mod cloth sells to Walmart and mod cloth purists are like, no. Yeah. Eloquy just sold to Walmart and Eloquy purists are like, hell no. They come around. If the product's exceptional and nothing changes, when you realize nothing really changes except now you know that... <laughs> it'll actually show up. It'll yeah. show up and it will fit. <laughs> you're going to be like super jazzed about it. It's when the changes start to happen. And if you see the negative and the quality goes down and the CRM, whatever it is that if the bad infiltrates what makes it so special for you, then you've fractured the relationship. But if nothing changes except for good things... We forget quickly in our 24-7 environment of media as yeah. You know, tomorrow, people will forget that we recorded this today. Yeah. And then we'll have a debate about whether it was two or three. Yeah. It'll, be, it'll, be, it'll be my fifth yeah. episode next yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> we keep hearing all those words like blockchain, smart contracts, um, transparency, importance of knowing where the product is produced. 
Can you talk about where it lays into the bigger picture and bigger vision of development of retail um, and brands? Seems to be gaining a lot of traction. Mm-hmm. Younger generations require it. It's almost table stakes. Yeah. They want to know what they're putting in their body. They want to put what they're wearing and who made my clothes. Who made my clothing and you know and make sure it wasn't in a sweatshop. And so that transparency is super important. And it's the reason an Everlane is so successful. Yeah. That and the fact that when you walk into that store, you feel it. Yeah. It feels like Gap was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. On the other side, when you think about like blockchain, it is so overused, uh, unfortunately. And mm-hmm. what is blockchain? What isn't blockchain? Is ruining what it could be so special about blockchain. Right. I think from a luxury perspective and for reducing the tendency of counterfeiting, I think it's so important to be able to authenticate product through a blockchain, and that seems to be the buzziest tech around it. I also think we think about re-commerce and we think about the aftermarket, whether it's sneakerheads or yes. it's Rent the Runway. Thank not you rent the for runway. mentioning that. Yeah. Uh, real, real or whatever. It's mm-hmm. You want to know that you're getting the real deal. Yeah. And to disintermediate the process of having to inbound a product, verify it, however you're verifying it, and then outbound it, Is a it? lot easier if you could just have it on the on the system right right have it in the chain and then yeah. you know it's it, it is what it is and you're not you're spending real money on the aftermarket post uh, post life of a product post use so i'm a customer i'm using it what's going to happen next i know exactly where it can go and who can use it after yeah we're like my 2008 andre agassi hot lavas from 08 or 11 because that matters in terms of whether the Soul's going to destruct, right. or are they just fake altogether? <laughs> I don't know. StockX, let me know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you were to sort of sum up this conversation and the kind of message you're putting out to the world right now, uh, both as Matt Caden and on behalf of your role with MMG, uh, how would you sum that up as, as a kind of bit of final thought? Give us everything, Matt. All wrapped up. Be positive, look at the glasses half full, figure out ways to do things differently and to be okay at not just fail fast, but like understand that it's not only about accretiveness of what happens tomorrow or this quarter. It's what are you doing so that you're here in five to 10 years? And if you're not thinking that far out, and doing the blocking and tackling, obviously, now, there may not be a five or ten years from now. It's not about chasing the customers. about getting out in front of them so that they... Yeah. Things like understanding your customer and, and having a real relationship with data and all. This is going to be table stakes. It's going to probably get easier and easier. So then what are you doing to be exceptional? Right. Because if you're not exceptional, we got way too much stuff. In, we have way too much glut in the system. So sometimes the system has to vomit. Lighten up. That's right. Or purge. <laughs> it's got to purge. Oh. And I think we're in this period of restart Defining, and start yeah. up. And I think that that mentality has to be appreciated and inbounded by all constituencies. Right. I'm, ex- I'm encouraged. I still am encouraged. It's, uh, it's interesting. 
It's interesting it's to, to me. And interesting. Maybe we live in interesting times this, on many levels. This yeah. may be absurd to say. I don't know. But I sometimes I wonder if the constant fever about you know retail apocalypse is more bred out of fear by some who, who are expecting that or if it's almost a sense of need of this purge. And, and people kind of feeling like that has to happen to go to the next level. Yeah. It's the only, only path. I think that it's there's a certain necessary evil ap- approach to it, and I, and I think it has to happen. I feel like people should get more at arms with tariffs and things and, and making it even harder to run a business profitably eventually in this business. I think that without going political – that's a real danger to this to, to many many companies. At the end of the day, the consumer who's going totally. to yeah. have to spend the money on on the increased cost of goods. Well, look, you're sitting in somebody's office, and all of a sudden, someone comes running in and is like, "Hey, that freight rate went from a hundred dollars per whatever to thirteen hundred dollars per whatever. How the hell are we going to respond to that? Move your supply chain. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I like like I I'm enamored by supply chain too. Like I think that that speed to market. Onshoring, nearshoring—I think all that's going to play. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah. Yep. Well, that'll be our fourth one. Or, <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, Matt, how can people that you like to reach out connect with you, and who are you looking to meet? Looking to meet exceptional people, whether they're—you know—we invest. We're a relationship-driven business. We do transactions for a living, but we invest in people and relationships, and so we're very long-minded. So the truth is. Exceptional people I love hanging out with. Super cool brands. Obviously, companies ready to do something, yeah. whether it's acquire something or exit or bring on a partner, clearly. And how they reach out, visit our website, www.mmgus.com. All my contact info is out there. Or you can hit me on LinkedIn. I do a lot on LinkedIn. Awesome. All right. Uh, Matt Caden, Managing Director at MMG Advisors. Thank you so much for joining us uh, once again. Whatever number it's been, it's been a good one. It's always a pleasure. And that's it for this episode of Fashion is Your Business on location at the Lead Summit in New York City. Uh, thank you so much uh, for Natalia Makalova. Yay, thank you. And Rob Sanchez. Good night, y'all. I'm Mark Rako. Thanks for joining us as always, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. This has been Fashion Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Fashion Biz Show. That's Fashion B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, fashionisyourbusiness.com. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. This is your announcer, Peter Coleman. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.